This is how I win. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Oh, you know, for me, the action is the juice. No. No, you. You complete me. I'm the king of the world! If you don't have a good sense of humor, you're better off dead. 69 dudes welcome back to the sin arrivals podcast folks we got a killer episode for you today in more ways than one we are going to start off with as a movie that maybe isn't super killer but should be killed and it does have at least like a killer two in it even though like that seems like a disappointing amount for this specific franchise but uh listen up all you sweaty middle school and high school nerds uh, we're talking about the FNAF movie, Five Nights at Freddy's. And by we, I mean me, because I'm the only one who watched it. And I'll start this conversation that we, uh, we honestly, we just hit the ground running with this conversation. And I'm going to go ahead and express that I am not a fan of the games. I've never played a single one of the games. I know like the littlest bit of the lore and the general idea of like what the first game was, at least how you were supposed to like use your security cameras and try to avoid these creepy animatronics that were like jumping around and and moving and coming to life hunting you down and that's what i thought we could get with this movie like we just had that movie willie's wonderland with nick cage that was essentially each night nick cage had to fucking just like chug a soda clean up after these anim like clean up a part of this fucking old rundown pizza restaurant but then also fight off murderous animatronic creatures that were trying to attack him at night. Every Everyone knew what that film was trying right. to do. Everyone was like, oh my God, this film's doing a Five Nights at Freddy's thing. It's like the Five Nights at Freddy's movies should have come out before it almost, and it didn't because apparently there was, I like haven't read much into it, but there was a lot of like creative turmoil making the movie and it kept getting pushed or something. But anyways, Willy's Wonderland was basically supposed to be like a spinoff of Freddy's that ends up coming out before it and is better because, again, it's more true to what the game was. And then we get to the actual Five Nights at Freddy's movie, and I understand that they've kind of like lost their minds in the lore when it comes to the various other games and like comic books. And like there is a a deep structured lore to the Five Nights at Freddy's games that these nerdy kids love that I just do not know. But I think at its basis, this movie should have just been Josh Hutcherson's character locked in a, like not even locked in, but like arriving at a pizza place for five different nights. You could have even thrown giant text up on the screen being like night one, night two, night three. And as the nights progress, things get progressively more crazy with these animatronics who are apparently possessed by children just start murdering him and like just start trying to murder him and you watch him try to survive these five different nights until inevitably hope at the end you see him like survive and then that could have just been the movie and it could have been a quick 90 minutes throw it on peacock put it in theaters who cares the kids will watch it a dozen times but this movie is so much not that 
and so much more about Josh Hutcherson's relationship with his younger sister, who he's like the guardian of, and the legal batter with their incredibly awful aunt, who is just trying to like steal this daughter or the sister away from him. And also you have a lot of flashbacks whenever Josh Hutcherson's character takes like a sleeping pill. And then he dreams about the time his little brother was kidnapped when they were camping as children. And it's like all of these things are, you spend so much time. This is almost a two hour movie and you spend so much time with these things. I think you spend less than half of it at Willie's wonder or at not Willie's wonderland, Freddie Fazbear's at the actual pizza price. And by the time you get there, yeah, you see the animatronics and I actually, fun note, I could have swore they were CGI. They looked too, like, good, too cartoony. Like, they they probably definitely had some kind of CGI sheen over them, but apparently they were all practical suits made by the Jim Henson Company, which kind of blew my mind. Like, I legitimately thought they were fake, and it was CGI that they decided to waste money on, but it wasn't. But they have like maybe one moment of actually being scary. And by the next time we see them, they're friendly and they're like hanging out with the little sister, just playing games. And they're like not killing anyone. And they're like allies. And I'm just I don't know, man. Again, this movie was not an anticipated movie for me. I don't care about the Freddy's video games, but this movie was just hard to watch because like even as someone as unknowledgeable as me was like, it could have been so much better. It, It just wastes so much time. There's so much side bullshit. There's a whole well, there's a whole subplot with a cop lady and how she plays into all of this. And she's like always hanging out at the restaurant, too. I don't know about you, Brent, but when I when I saw people playing the game, it's one guy in a room and the fucking animatronics. And that's it. But now there's like I mean, this cop who is always there and she clearly knows something the entire I movie. Saw the- I saw the twist. I walked in and I saw the twist with her and I was and I heard like people in the crowd just being like, ooh, like a couple like disgusted sighs. Yeah, or whatever, I mean, it-, it was so simple. Like, I didn't call it right away, but I mean, fuck it. Let's just, I don't give a shit. Spoil it. I mean, you you meet Matthew Matthew Lillard as a character who works at like a job placement center and he gives Josh Hutchinson, the job at Willie at Freddy's. I'm going to keep calling it Willie's Wonderland. That's hilarious. Freddy Fazbear's. And you learn by the end of the movie that not only is he the father of the cop girl you've met the entire time, he is also the kidnapper who stole his brother all those years ago. That's like so fucking weird. Like Josh Hutchinson's brother? Yeah, he is the kidnapper that stole Josh Hutchinson's brother like 20 something years ago and kidnapped him. And brought and and apparently he brought him to Fetty Fazbear's, and that's where he was like sacrificing kids to imbue these animatronics with the souls of children that he kidnapped. It's like what? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I I feel like I I was gonna get angrier at this movie, but obviously I'm Whoa. keeping it a little bit level headed yeah. here. But it was fucking awful. It was just so bad. Me and Black Cloud were like yelling at each other. Yeah, this is something that I wasn't really even interested to watch, especially knowing that it's streaming on Peacock and it still hasn't like got me to to get over there. But yeah, I, I mean, not with Spider Man being a thing. It, this the situation of this though is the unfortunate way that our society works is that this apparently was the family film of, you know. The week or whatever, like if families were out, this made eighty million bot in the North America, 
132 global on a budget of 20. And so what's going to happen is Blumhouse now has themselves another franchise that they're going to beat to the ground like they just successively did with Halloween, shall we mention. <clears throat> and this is just all going to, I mean, I guess it's 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 great for the people involved, but at the end of the day, like, I, come to my senses here, that, you know, there would be another film we're going to talk about where it is only ever going to see a fourth of what this film grossed, and I can't even, like, get sick to my stomach. I mean, these aren't good films, but they, some something's I don't know. It, it anything, had a hey, to... anything to keep cinema alive, my friend. Martin Scorsese can personally thank Five Nights at Freddy's for keeping cinema alive. You think he'll watch well, that movie I, with his? I, I think with his would... intern slash daughter slash letterbox operator. I think he's more likely to watch that film than any MCU content. Fucking ridiculous. That's Endgame is three hours of better cinema. I'll tell you right now. Than what we we're going to talk about later. We all have different tastes. No, I mean, this isn't a taste thing. It's purely so, entertain, so, so, eh, purely entertainment so, value and numbers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you think Killers of the Flower Moon is going to cross a billion dollars? No, didn't think so. It was it's its intention is never to do oh, that. It's oh, 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 I mean, I think your intention when you're selling a product like a movie in a theater is to make oh. money. I mean, oh, but I'm about to leave the pod guys live. on. <laughs> Well, th this argument can swiftly move us into our next conversation in our killer podcast once again. Uh, the Killers of the Flower Moon. And Brent, take it away because this is this is all you. Oh, oh really now? Well, I mean, I'll say my piece, but you should definitely get your say first. Yeah, so this, I mean, I'll admit this was probably my most anticipated film going into the award season and just uh, on the year itself. Uh, with the talent that was on board, I will admit I didn't fully grasp my anticipation and met my my needs or whatever. Not not, not that I have to, but um, I mean, this film is just you know something that Martin Scorsese has been wanting to say for a long time about the true horrors of what happened to you know the land that was before ours and like what the Osage Nation had and how white Americans came in and just really um, did true evils uh to that community and there was never any repercussions from it the um law was taken into multiple hands to say the least um and so it's what scorsese brings to this film is masterful and i mean i i think the strongest uh gathering from it aside from the performances that DiCaprio, gladstone and De Niro give i think they're, they're all great in their own rights um but the the screenplay plays, I think, an important, more important part to this. And because of its, you know, grueling runtime that I can understand is not a, f a favorite of anybody's. But at the end of the day, you know, you the three highest grossing films of box office are also about three hours long. So those people can eat a dick. And then you have, oh, I got your attention. Well, I didn't want to interrupt. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, some people, you know, also understand, though, that like, cinema is different for everyone i get that and and i know going into this it was never going to be the box office darling i mean this film was originally made for apple tv it wasn't until like the academy came in and was like your films have to you know reach a broader audience and get released into you know other cities rather than new york and la 
So that's when, and then Scorsese wanted a little bit more with the budget. So then Paramount came in to give him a little assist. So, I mean, I, I believe that this is probably going to, you know, get better through uh, streaming because people can pause it and return to it multiple nights, unfortunately. Uh, and then when that happens, you'll have Mark Scorsese knocking on your door telling you that you're interrupting the editing process, which. <laughs> that what editing process? This movie is yeah, three and a half hours. Was, Dude, I mean, cut like was, one scene out and it was like done. They, there and there is something you can cut out in almost every three, four hour film. There, there's no argument that needs to be made about that. I mean, this film, it, I mean, it, it did what it did, really. Um, I, I would say, like, in terms of though, what Martin Scorsese was wanting to do here, like he, he told a, a rich story that is kind of, uh, you know, lay deep into our lands of, you know, people that was murdering for their lands because they had oil, you know the. Um, uh, blah, blah, what's the expression? Um, I don't, I don't blood know. Gold or something. It's like, like blood gold or something like that. Like, what do they call oil like back then? Blood, oh, like black gold. Black gold. That, that, yeah, that expression, to say the least. People were just greedy for it, and I, I would say, you know, my obsession with Leonardo DiCaprio is an obsession. This film. I don't believe is his career best. Uh, I mean, he he plays a very dumbfound moron that gets walked over through majority of the film, and he just does really idiotic things. But he does it at such a great level that you know you're you can't help but just be ooh and ah. I, I mean, I still think his best films is obviously uh, like Wolf of Wall Street and whatnot. But not to get into a heavier conversation on that, I still think what he brought forth was really good. It doesn't go without saying. This film was originally going to have a different perspective overall. It was going to be about the FBI coming into the land. So something that we saw probably an hour and 45 minutes into the movie uh, was going to be the start of the film. And obviously they felt after two years of kind of working with the script and getting together, Leo and Scorsese said they wanted to change perspectives and they wanted a different story um, that was more true to what needs to be you know, told. And I mean, it it is very uh, cinematic in what it's, it's preaching is, I mean, Lily's Gladstone brings I mean, more heart and beauty to this. And as quiet as her performance can be, it's definitely career defining. And I think, you know, we see her grief in every, you know, emotional turn that comes to her and that stone cold betrayal that we see in the third act, I think is what this film is, is powerful about. And I, I mean, you had to have time to breathe with it. Considering, I mean, the, I will admit the pacing is not friendly, but the story, you know, it, it's it's one that hasn't been told yet before, and so I'm I'm glad we had the, you know, the people that worked with this to do it. I think the the script, like I said, the screenplay was really well. The cinematography is is beautiful, and I and I think those are the two, you know, touchstones when we're looking back at this and the award season that might get the most recognition. I I don't feel personally strong about its picture chances i will admit that um and yes uh my fal league is completely you know ruined for the second year row because i went heavy on some of my favorite directors and their piece of works but there, there's just um i think what brett is probably going to say in considering that the the runtime is, is excruciating for those but you know this film could have had a thriller aspect to it it could have keeping things behind a closed curtain but instead you know as advertised in the first trailer no can you spot the wolves in this picture i think they wanted it to be very clear like who the the evil is and what it represents and how it's always going to be around us and in front of us and i i 
can't really say anything against that because everyone has their own takes from it. But I, I was very excited with what this film had and brought, and it's still one of my favorites of the year. Just not um, a level above of what I was going into expecting, and I do plan to rewatch it. Just, just want to give it. Obviously, it's time for its first watch to sit through, and I know Brett's going to tell me he's never planning to watch this again because I heard fourteen people tell me that already. Too much. It's fine. fine. It's fine. But when people watch eight hours of one TV show in a day, you know, that's that's also OK. You do you. Yeah. It's and, and I'm going to make the argument using a very decent comparison. I've watched movies like The Departed and Wolf of Wall Street multiple times. Both are extremely long movies. Wolf of Wall Street is nearly as long as Killers of the Flower Moon. The difference is for three hours, it has you invested. And unlike something like Wolf of Wall Street, the movie, yes, has a very strong story with very strong character beats. But by the last hour of the film, we're in a court sequence that's essentially the essentially the job of the court sequence is to recap the entirety of the movie we've already watched. And this is nearly a 15 minute scene. And it's just like we're we're only just seeing what we've already saw. The, like the movie is coming to an end and you've been sitting there for three hours. So I had an un controllable urge of like wrap it the fuck up and by and then we get to the very very end of the movie and like there's this strange epilogue where it's like a radio play and i mean it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world and it is a quite unique and fun way to like give us that behind the scenes of like what happened to our characters after the fact but i'm over here just distracted because jack white from the white stripes is there in the scene and i'm like is that fucking jack white so i missed a little bit of that and like that was kind of a, a distraction uh but there is i mean obviously i agree with your testament overall about the quality of this movie it's undeniably a incredibly constructed and well-made movie it's truly just that some stories need three hours this is not one of them like we saw so many instances of like just Leo and Lily Gladstone's character giving each other met like him giving her medicine over and over again. And I get it. It's like, what's building the relationship with the character. And I, I can't complain about what we got between the dynamic of the two characters, because that was the only thing keeping this. It was what was keeping the movie going essentially is just like their chemistry and the way they're working off of each other and then obviously the outside force that is like basically keeping them apart because you truly feel like leo does love his wife in this movie the characters but then like he also wants the money and he also is loyal to his family and the whole thing with robert de niro and how sleazy of a character he is like one i never thought i'd hear him do anything but a new york accent so hearing him with like a slightly western drawl was really weird and like kind of trippy at times, but the way he played like this polite, sophisticated, but like still sleazy greaseball mobsters kind of character that like we've come to know and see in a plethora of Scorsese movies. I found that really impressive. And I obviously it's De Niro. So it's not even it's impressive yet unsurprising. But yeah, I mean, too long. That's it is my major complaint. It is like it is too long and poorly you can you have you can either have a long movie that's perfectly paced or a regular movie that is slowly paced 
you can't have an extremely long movie that's poorly paced because then it feels like a five hour endeavor. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's two hour films that are just poorly paced. Oh, yeah. Not, but not they're edited. not as egregious as a three and a half hour movie. Imagine if Titanic had a bad pacing. That movie would be unwatchable. No one would put in the second VHS. The reason why people that is a, a you know a the tragedy disaster love story that was the best sell for that film. Nobody but was going to be. What interested. it did was for the first two hours of the movie set up a perfectly good relationship and love story between our two lead characters, including Leonardo DiCaprio. And then by the last hour, instead of going downhill, it ramps up the action and turns into the disaster movie that it is. I wasn't There's asking this movie. I wasn't asking for flowers to be like a disaster. Watching. But it was, but it did what Oppenheimer did, and that was the same complaint people had. As soon as you hit a courtroom in the last third hour of I, the three-hour movie, you lose some steam. I think the last hour of this film was better than the last hour of Oppenheimer. But the but the Arguably. first two hours, of but the first two hours of Oppenheimer, yeah. better than this one because yeah. of what you're saying. Amazing, but I think that just comes with every story that's trying to be told. It's going to be different, and to be honest, if this was told by some other director like on the, the up and comings and whatnot he would not have been given this time if it was if it was a taika watiti movie it. it would have been hysterical he would have done it in a uh, hundred minutes well he did and he also and he, he, he kind of did something like characters. it with reservoir dogs so he would reservation dogs which yes <laughs> what so, I, which i heard is phenomenal yeah he i think he won an emmy i don't know i know it ended like they just had the yeah. final season um, I mean, my final note on it is that I find it. I, I think a lot of people should watch this, and unfortunately, that's just yeah. Not the case. I, and I agree. Like, I, I, I spent most of the time being super negative about the runtime, but I, I can, I gotta reiterate, it was a fantastically never... made movie with extremely like I I... well made or like extremely well done performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I'm at the point where I'd rather have people watch it. Then not watch it, but then at the end of the day, like I said earlier, you know, being around people that are not not part of Scorsese's uh, in depth filmography that you know you had to be a part of for a couple of viewings, just oh, you yeah. know, comes oh yeah, merits. I get it. I mean, it'd be one thing if this was like also his first three hour movie, but this dude's a repeat offender. <laughs> like, yeah, like you need to put like cinema with those those wordings. What? Just do it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Dude, I, it's it's really, I mean, more people is, would watch it if it wasn't three and a half hours. And I mean, it, people are going to watch it on Apple TV in the span of like seven hours, like how you watched. Uh, Irishman. Yeah, the Irishman. Just like pausing it, going like doing the dishes, coming back, watching another one, 20 minutes. So one thing that I've been noticing, because I went through and, and rewatched a good portion of Mark Scorsese films. Um, well over a dozen and yes like his run times is one thing but he's always trying to show the relationships of the lead character and like what the surrounding you know parties have to do with that and you're telling a story that way i get it there are the pros and cons that come with it um like for instance I, when i rewatched silence that's a two and a half hour film but i just i found the pacing to be you know i wasn't invested in its storytelling and i didn't find I didn't find the acting to be all that great. Not one, you know, once Driver leaves the picture and you're kind of left with Garfield, it's it's a little hard. But there there comes, you know, 
ins and outs with that. But I mean, I, I think what's really fascinating is what I've kind of caught on. And this is just like me going, uh, you know, spitballing here. But, you know, Martin Scorsese does a really good job at like displaying characters that go through like at the end of the day, they don't win. Like they're always lo- losers of something. They they don't have what they, you know, were, were pursuing to say the least. And, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, you have Leonardo DiCaprio who plays Jordan Belfort and he wants, and I've been, Brad, I've been saving this for you. So I hope you're, you're all ears, but like Wolf of Wall Street, you know, he has this fame and fortune to say the least and he, and he loses it all. Um, in Goodfellas, you have Ray Liotta's character wanting to be a dancer. That's all he ever dreamed of. And then he now is a part of the witness protection program. He wanted to be a dancer? Uh, a, a mobster? I heard dancer. Hold on now. Like, That's a movie. I know. That's Ray, movie. All Ray Liotta ever wanted to do was be a dancer, but I've like, but he, like but he unfortunately Scorsese fell into the mob life of the deep-seated underground of New York. If, now if he, he has his opportunity to finally tap his way onto the stage. In. Nope. Couldn't think of anything. Um, hold on. Hold on. My dancing shoes. Rated PG-13. I was going to say, I was gonna say like, like the Bellas, because Bella, like there's ballerinas, like, like the Bellas or something. Um, Gangsterina, like, oh, rated PG thirteen. No, that's gonna be R, dude. Come on. Um, but like, just you know, like any De Niro character that Scorsese has, you know, captured, he's always, you know, doing not just a study of that nature or that what that character is playing within the nature he's in, but just losing something. And I, I, I just, I know you're not going to watch any of his movies anytime soon, but just, it, it was a fun thought when I was going through it. That was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, these guys have really just lost everything. Like no one at the end of his films are real winners. And I think that's something he obviously was displaying very heavily. And those are the fire moon. And, and like you mentioned with the way it closed out where they did like this kind of fourth wall podcasting thing with Jack White and Scorsese and a couple other familiar faces. Yeah. And his Hitchcockian cameo. Cause yeah, you know, I, you know, you wait till your like twentieth movie to do a cameo of that nature. He did it in Taxi Driver. Oh, did he? I... Yeah. So he, I think the way that they tell the ending there was was pretty pretty neat because in in a way, then other times, you know, when you're seeing like a slideshow of everyone falling or another fifteen minutes where they're actually showing you these instances happening, I I found that a new way of pivoting to the to the climax and i was i was okay with it i mean Again, yeah i might really zap people out of their seats like what the heck is that but no i uh, mean it zapped me out of my seat because i'm like over there like is that rock star jack white just i knew he was the end of no, i, just, I, just I didn't, didn't. and it's just at the end of a scorsese movie you've been sitting there for three and a half hours and boom jack white's just on a stage telling you how like everyone's fate ended up i'm like what the f- fuck and then also i mean i forgot about brendan frazier and like almost entirely being in that movie until he popped back he's up fine. in the third hour he's fine in the movie people needed to cut that out no he wasn't bad but it's just like a lot of people say he was bad he just came off an oscar yeah, and he got it weird. 
he, he just came off an Oscar and he got a chance for Scorsese, so he's gonna give what he finds. And and it's a tiny <laughs> role, so he did everything he could. Like what the fuck? He kind of he kind of took the pacing up a bit and like, oh crap, John Lithgow and Brendan Fraser in this movie now. I'm gonna pay, you know, like those are two well known actors. I fucking hope they are. Yeah, and it kind of made the last part even more interesting. Like what you're telling me, like some other you know, actor that collaborated with Scorsese, who is also 75 years old, would have been interesting in that? I don't think so. So I was, I, I was very if satisfied. it pleases me, Yana. And it's just Joe Pesci. I think, you know, we would have, it would have been. But... Yeah, I'm not doing the fucking Western accent, Martin. Yeah. He's just like a New York lawyer in fucking Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! He could have been named Minnie, or not Minnie, uh, and not Vinny either. What the fuck's the name of the my lawyer? Oh, it is my cousin Vinny, where he's the lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would have been Vinny. But anyways, you you segue into what's next one. Oh, I shall. Okay. If 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 people know me, then then they know that I have been very spoiled with cinema as of late. Um, and there's no question. And this is still always the case to be true, especially when you spend about $24 on a magazine that only covers eight pages of your favorite director. Uh, Martin Scorsese had, you know, his go at it, but David Fincher, um, my favorite director, his new film that is behind the studio of Netflix. He just, he, it seems like he is either locked up and they have blackmail we don't know it yet or he just really loves the idea that i can just do whatever the fuck i want which that's fine but i mean we need his his touch back in the cinema and here we finally get um after nearly three years it seems as that that was probably the last time man came out he still hasn't had a film in theaters since girl with a dragon tattoo which is just i mean with gone gone girl was 20 was a girl with a dragon tattoo no gone girl oh my that's just that's just um but here we are returning with michael fassbender uh the killer it's gonna be on netflix next friday which you know could be that by the time this episode gets released uh <laughs> as he's looking side eye we have um david fincher's the killer um with michael fassbender apparently this was like a book adaptation like a, like a graphic novel um and it just focuses on um an assassin and in, in just like this like kind of he's he's a craft with his work and you, you get this narration in the beginning where he's just like always attention to detail and he's clean quick efficient there's never problems with him he's has like the success rate is beyond a thousand and we're brought into this job that he's on with no information from the client in the contract but he botches Job. He accidentally uh, eliminates the wrong target, and we're followed. Dude, yeah. sorry to cut you off, but I just got an email for the Saltburn premiere. They put it on Thanksgiving. That comes out the day before. It's November twenty fourth. Um. Okay. I oh see wait, 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 wait. It's the second. Oh, that's tomorrow night. Yeah. Oh shit, dude! Email. Oh shit! This is live. We both don't work tomorrow. I know. Might as well. I'm replying. I'm replying. Let me reply. You got yours? 
Well, I was going to, I was just going to say it for you and I both. Like, I'm just going to be like, I'd love to attend with a guest just in case we can get like Black Cloud or Johnny or whoever. I'm, oh, wow. This would be good to go to since I didn't get to see Killers. Right. I love how they're just now starting to roll back in. He says, oh, respond by Thursday, respond Thursday by 1 p.m. So he should be paying attention to it. Oh, oh when this, this is a separate what it I, I just realized that the fucking email is like full name outlet and total number oh no sean, but this is sean that it's getting to we're fine if it i mean hopefully it's sean it was only ian asked me what my credentials were oh dude this would be so cool so i said sean may i attend the screening with the guest thank you damn good catch because i was actually just talking about this with chase last night i was like what's gonna be really hard is when we have to QC, when like three films come out in one night, and we have to decide on what to QC. Yeah. All right. Because we just means. we just put this. this and Chase uh, can't be mad because he already saw holdovers. Dude, I, I he tried to tell me that like he was obviously you'll cut this out, but like he was trying to tell me that like oh I, I saw it twice, you know, like how how cool is it? And I'm like, I'm not sure right. with the fucking director. Like I really don't care. You can see it seven times, and it's still not as cool as the guy who and, made it. Being and I was like, there. "You've never seen an Alexander Payne film, so like, what?" Well, okay, well, neither have I, but but you know it. But yeah, all right, back into the killer conversation. Sorry, if you can well, even sure remember now. where you were. Yeah, no, I remember. So, so we're okay. So I'll kind of like just re because I was going over the beginning real quick. But yeah, so we're we're met with uh, Michael Fassbender, who is this assassin, and he is efficient clean quick uh doesn't have any you know his success rate is you know flawless near so but we're introduced to him on this job and he kind of narrates how he his plans go through and whatnot and he unfortunately eliminates their own target and we're watched we're, we're kind of forced to watch him go on the run and you know work his way through other like his life, he kind of quickly returns to his life and finds that uh, the girl that he that he liked was um, there was an attempt to eliminate him, which was really cool. But unfortunately, uh, he was at home and is the girl that he liked was and she was uh, the unfortunate recipient of that. So he basically finds the ladder. He goes to the top the person that uh, he works for and he just works his way down and try and find the people that that did that try to came after him and the way that David Fincher presents this is with, uh, I mean, magnificent sound. I think that was the best thing we got while I was watching this in theaters. Um, you're going to get that with almost any David Fincher film. Um, ex I mean, especially when he works with the talented guys at the composers that he works with all the time, the Atticus Ross and Trent Lesnar, like Lesnar, like those guys are just going to be insanely good. Um, we're, I mean, these, Mike, Fassbender doesn't have a name. Like he's just he's the protagonist. He's the killer. I guess you say at least, and he just works his way, you know, through multiple cities and you know, I guess you could say chapters and just eliminating targets. This has one of the coolest fight scenes I've seen in all year. Like I thought that was just sick coming from Michael Fassbender or David Fincher and Michael Fassbender himself. Um, not the last time we'll see him this year as well, but he it's it's just really cool. And and do you do you know that Fassbender like the last like two years he's been working with. Formula One racing, and he drove in the Le Mans twenty four hours. I didn't yeah. know that. Pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, this this film was was great. To be honest, um, no surprise though. 
but David Fincher just, you know, I I have this, you know, history with him, I guess to say least. I always find his films rewatchable. Um th- this film I I know you you were wanting to know eagerly like what my expect or what I thought of it was and, and it met my expectations pretty well and it's it's just really great to see this but I mean I I still don't put it too high in his filmography because he just has so many like he's one of those directors where if anyone else directed that film it would be their best hands down it's just he happens to have all of these and it's it's awesome and it's remarkable that he was able to do so much after Alien 3 when he wanted to just straight out retire and go back to music videos glad he didn't do that and I hope it's not as long as a wait as it is to get to his next film. And it'd be really cool to see him continue working with people he hasn't done before, worked with before. Or hell, get back with Brad Pitt. Let's let's do it again, you know. Fourth time, that would be fantastic. Yeah. So you remember the scene where he had to like m- meticulously like the whole movie, this dude is like have all these like timed out plans, very meticulously done done plan. And he's like, don't deviate from the plan. Uh, stick to the steps, everything. But then every single time, like all, like you see three full missions where it just goes fucking sideways at the end. It never works out for him. Like he, he is set up to be this like perfect 100% killing machine, no issues whatsoever. And we're the whole movie. We're kind of just seeing his like, after fucking up once he's like going on a spiral and keeps fucking things up and i find that character study of like this assassin who's having to deal with all this stuff for the first time kind of and improvise having to deal with it uh but there's like one specific scene so like he sends a package to fedex through fedex to like get to this office so that a delivery man will open and unlock a door that he can like then follow the dude behind if they were sending it to our theater, it would not have arrived on time, and he would have just been standing there like a fucking idiot, because that's well, how I didn't, that's how it works it, with us. It took me like a quick second to realize that that was what he mailed just a scene prior, right? And like I and I was like, I actually like audible out loud. And I was just like, that's the one he said. Like I just, I was really excited mm-hmm. to kind of catch that. One of the other things are. One of the other things I really liked was how he was using aliases and like people and like these funny names that they were definitely spending like that extra second focusing on so that people would see what they were. And I was like, there's got to be some kind of shtick going on, like they're doing some kind of theme with all the names. And then they finally said Sam Malone. And I'm like, oh, are these all TV people? Like, are these all TV character names? And I and I went back and looked and it was. Mm hmm. I, I heard there was one of the guys and one of the names they gave in the earlier in the film. There was a guy in the back that like really kind of yeah. He, it. Like, he was like ah. Whenever you watch this, when it gets on Netflix, I'll I might write the names down so I can remember who all of them were. There was definitely one other one like George Jefferson or something that I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can't. Uh, I just remember. But yeah, I mean there. I did like there there were also some like really like bleak and kind of dark moments of like morbid comedy in this movie, which I really mm-hmm. enjoyed and appreciated and like got me laughing. Uh I'm really if you're looking for a neo-noir thriller by David Fincher, this is like kind of it's not it's not like the best thing he's ever made, but it's kind of like if you ask for that, this would come out of a like printing machine or like an AI, not even like 
we're not like in a bad way, but like if you typed in, oh, neo noir assassin movie by David Fincher, this movie would come out of the 3D printer. And like it was very good. And because it's like David Fincher makes quality action thrillers. And like I think the action, especially in this one, something we don't see all the time from him, uh, was exceptionally done, very well done. It kind of reminded me of fight sequences you see in like a John Wick movie. And and that being said, this movie had a lot of John Wick vibes with this like yeah. ma- like mysterious underworld of assassins that Fassbender operates in, and he's basically going on a revenge tour through the ranks of this operation. I and, and like I so like I said, I really like it, and I like how they do a lot of the stuff on his psyche and lifestyle. Uh, I thought I was going to get tired of his constant narration, but I never really did because what he was saying was constantly either fa- fascinating or funny or relevant. So it's still that keeps you all in. Like, I really am glad we saw this in a theater, even though the screen's about as big as the one I have in my basement. Um, it is a shame that this is not going to be playing on something like an ultra screen. Cause I think it would play on as big a screen as you need, but it's going to go right on to Netflix. And I, uh, yeah, this one was really good. And guess what? It was, it was less than two hours. I was about to say you, you probably enjoy this one. Cause it was less than two hours. Yeah. It was re- like, it's almost like you, it's really easy to make a successful movie between an hour and a half and two hours long. That's the sweet spot for me. You push um, it, you start pushing it in the two hour range. Once we get to two and a half, you're really pushing it three hours. It's almost unacceptable most of the time. But yeah. And on a technical level, I mean, it's everything you come to expect from a Fincher film. So I'm, I guess I don't really have that many complaints at all. Well, mostly, mostly jokes in my notes that I wrote down. Like the, the fact that fucking, one of the actors at like a hotel in a scene was Gordy from Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide slash the dude who voices Cosmo and Timmy's dad in the Fairly Odd Parents, and that was another distracting cameo. Like, why are the like? I get it, dude. Actors have to work, but sometimes when I like know these more niche actors and they just pop up out of nowhere, it takes you out of the film, and it kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. You're like, what yeah. the f- what the fuck is Gordy doing in this movie? I mean that that I mean if you don't have any more about the killers, we can just go ahead and wrap it up. It's been about forty five. You gotta change your letterbox. Oh, you're right. That's so funny. Just I'm gonna change them at Christmas. Uh well, I guess after that reminder, that'll end it for our podcast today, folks. Uh we are gonna go ahead and cut this one. Sh- I mean, we I mean we don't have any other new movies we've seen. So like this killer this very oh, killer specific oh. es- episode is definitely gonna be a little bit shorter, but we will wrap up and end the episode like we always do with a recommendation. And I'm going to recommend, honestly, I think you're going to be surprised by my recommendation, sir. And that is Funny Games, which was a German horror, uh, well, not really even a horror film. It's more of a psychological thriller that I watched for my one-a-day Halloween thing. And even though like, I had to read the dialogue because it was in subtitles, the movie <clears throat> throughout the runtime continues to find ways to s- totally surprise you, to shock you, to keep you on your toes, to keep you invested. Every time you think like you have a moment of levity for your main characters, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And like, it is truly 
a hard movie to watch. And there's about a 10 minute scene in this movie that might have been one of the most gut wrenching performances on film that I have ever seen. And I think you've seen this, you know what I've seen. You know what I'm talking about. You know, those foreign films, they just they just do it differently. Yeah. Um, I'll just I'll do a quick uh I rewatched uh Panic Room. Uh obviously after Venture I went I kind of tackled a couple of them, but um I I I just it's fun. Like I it's a quick, quick film. It's nothing and it it takes you uh off the roller coaster. Jared Leto classic. And yeah, it's just like when we get to the moment when you know Forrest Whitaker, uh Jared Leto and Raul. When they show up to the apartment, like it's just exciting. Like I get antsy. I'm just like this. It's about to go down, and like for the next hour and like 15 minutes, you just can't look away. And for that to be one of David Fanman, then that film almost made 200 million dollars too, which is sick. Um, it kind of makes me want like they they could do more of those films. Like that could have been one of those. It's kind of what Panic Room is. What Five Nights at Freddy's should have been. Like a one room, one one building, just like getting like escaping and hunting them. But that's what I'm saying. It's like back to the beginning conversation. Full, full circle. We just yeah, absolutely. It's it's it should have been getting stalked around the pizzeria, and that's they're getting stalked around their own house. Got the invite. Let's go. Oh hell Let's yeah! Go. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and cap that on that, and you'll be hearing our thoughts about Saltburn on the next episode. Apparently, thank you, Sean. Uh, thank you for not inviting us to Killers, though. That was ridiculous. Did you? Did you get? I mean, yeah, but you know those seats could have been really. Okay. Well, even if I didn't, we're gonna. I will. I'll just go under you, and we'll be good. Like, who cares? Yeah, yeah that's I got him. He said, "Got it." All right, we're good. See you guys.